Today with Catherine Ruinala. Who can remember what Romans 5 1 says? I'll start you off. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Very good. Let's say it again. Romans 5 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. What an inglorious and wonderful truth. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Hallelujah. Having been justified by faith, we're able to rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We have access by faith. We can come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy and help in time of need. We can boldly come unafraid of um, there being something between us and God. Peace with God means that every wall has been broken down, that there is no more war. We are no longer at war. We are, there's nothing between us. There's, no, um, there's nothing keeping us from him. We have been set free to be able to boldly approach his throne. And it begins with a, a therefore, which means that it's in response to what we've just read. So if you read the first four chapters of Romans, you'll discover the reason why it's so glorious to have been justified by faith. Because if you read in, in Galatians uh, chapter 3, verse 10, let's just have a look there. Galatians 3, verse 10, tells us this. For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evidenced for, evidenced for the just shall live by faith. So under the law, under the system of the law, we discover that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that if you fail even in just one little thing, you're under a curse. But praise God, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus became a curse for us so that we no longer live under the curse of punishment. The wages of sin is death. But praise God, Christ came, he became a curse for us so that we could be reconciled to God, so that we could have peace with God, so that we would never have to fear judgment because he took the judgment for us. Therefore, we can have boldness on the day of judgment, it tells us in 1 John, that we can have boldness on the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. We've received the very, uh, the deserved justice of Jesus, what he deserves, we've been given. This is the good news of the gospel. Hallelujah. I was reading today um, some of Spurgeon's commentary on this verse, and he was talking about how you know, the, under, under the law, sin 
is such that you might have someone that would say, well, I'm, I'm a good person. You know, generally speaking, I'm, I'm a good person. I don't – you might have um, a shopkeeper that would say, well, I, you know, I don't defraud people. I've never committed adultery. I, I live a, a, a good life where I treat people fairly. And, and by man's standards, he'd probably be able to say, I'm a, I'm a pretty good person. And that's good. We need to be just to our fellow man. We need to be good people. And, and, and Christian or not, most people understand that that's a good thing. But unfortunately, just being a good person doesn't fulfill the requirement of what we need to be just with God. You see, God's standards are so much higher. And we read, as we read, as you can read the Old Testament, you can see there's just so much. We could never measure up to it. We could never fulfill it. You know, you might miss it here or you might miss it there. And and he explains that it's a bit like if you were a, a coal miner being let down by a chain into the coal pit, you could have... Uh, all of the chains being super strong, but one, if one chain is weak and breaks, that thing is going to dash to the ground and, and, and they're going to die. And the strength of the chain is not measured by all the strong ones. It's measured by the one weak link. And when it comes to sin, just one weak link is death. And that's why we needed a saviour. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. He became a curse so that we wouldn't be under the penalty of sin, that we would be able to be free from guilt and shame, condemnation, and we would have eternal life with him. Hallelujah. And then it goes on and says, Romans 5.3 goes on and says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We look at that and we think, oh, yeah, I don't really like that part as much. We don't like to talk about tribulation or difficult things. Emily and Tom and I have been reading over the last week. We've been, week or so, we've been uh, starting to just go through, read the Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's not light reading uh, and it's, it's pretty hectic. But it is, it is, has been really challenging to, to read and to hear about these people who would just willingly give up their lives because their hope was in eternity. They, having been justified by faith in Christ, they had peace with God and didn't matter what tribulation, what persecution came, they had a higher hope that was worth dying for. I, I read, we read today about a, a, a legion of um, soldiers who were all Christian in the Roman army under, in one of the, um, I think in, 200 and something AD, um, and there were 6,000 plus soldiers and they were all Christians and an edict came through that they had to sacrifice to Jupiter and they had to go into Gaul and commit that they would slaughter every Christian there. 
And they just wouldn't do it. They couldn't do it. And so the emperor came in and said, right, well, I'm going to decimate you. That is, he, he measured them off, one in ten, I'm going to kill you. And he did. So he, he decimated them. That's where we get the word decimate from. He'd, he'd kill one in ten. And then he said, right, now, will you, will you um, recant this Christianity and, and commit to killing all the Christians in Gaul and, and sacrificing to Jupiter? And they said, no. And so he did it again, decimated them again. Then he said, now, will you? And they said, no, we must, we must stay true to the one who has given his life for us. And then they went through and they killed them all. And as they killed them, they were worshipping God, saying, God, you are worthy. God, you are worthy. And we're reading about the, the Christian martyrs being thrown into the Colosseum and the beasts goring them and I mean, horrific, horrific things. But they would go to their deaths glorifying God, thanking God, forgiving their persecutors. And it was so impacting that multiple times you read that those who were sent to execute them repented and gave their hearts to Jesus because they could see this supernatural peace these people had, this joy that they had, uh, and that they, they had a hope that was inexplicable by human understanding. They had a hope that oh, I have eternity with him. This one who loved me more than life, gave his life for me, paid the price for my sin. And, and it's, it's, good, it's good for our hearts sometimes to remember what a privilege it is to be forgiven. What a privilege it is to having been reconciled to God. I think of Paul and Silas in the prison. They were beaten mercilessly beaten and whipped and then thrown into prison, all for preaching the gospel, into the dark depths of the prison, shackled. And you know their response? They didn't grumble and complain about how unjust it all was. They didn't cry out to all the other prisoners and tell them, it's so wrong what's been done to us. What did they do? They began to worship and glorify God. And as they worshipped and praised and thanked God for his mercy, glorified him, the prison was shaken. The chains fell off and a glorious sign and wonder. And the, and the prison warden was going to kill himself, but they said, don't kill yourself. They had no anger, no animosity at the injustices that they'd suffered and they led him to Jesus. It's just there's something different when we really discover what it means to have been justified by faith, the value of what it means to have been saved. It's not just a, a religion we're joining or a club we join or, I mean, it's not like a Rotary Club membership or, you know, nothing against the Rotary Club, but it's, it's not a, it's not a, it's not we've just joined a community or we've, you know, this is nice. They seem like good people. We have been saved. We've been saved for eternity. Ah, oh, I think about Stephen being uh, falsely accused and all the accusations coming at him and about to be stoned. And the Bible records his face shone like that of an angel. Why? Because he had a hope. Hallelujah. And this verse says that um, 
He says, not only do we rejoice in the fact that we've been reconciled to God, we have peace with God, that through the Lord Jesus Christ I've been saved. We also rejoice in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. You know, um, it's not that we rejoice that bad things are happening. Bad things do happen. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. And that's, the Bible tells us that in this world, we'll have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. You see, when tribulation or difficult things happen, we have a choice to either pivot to despair or pivot to hope. And the way we find hope is through perseverance. I look around the room and I see people who, I just see the evidence of perseverance and I see the, the fruit, the character. I, I think of my own husband. Like I just, in, just watching his, his, you know, he just perseveres. If he says he's going to do something, he's just going to do it until it's done. And I mean, he worked for 20 years in his father's company. I look around here. Trev, how long have you been in business? How long? How, how long do you think? 25 years. Barry and Joan, how long have you been married? 48 years. Hallelujah. And I look around the room and I see people. I see you going and loving on your husband every day. Just it, it, And you know what it does? It shows, demonstrates character. You see, when you see that someone's, they've persevered, through the difficulties. They haven't, they're not just like six months here and six months there and two years there, but they've persevered. It, it develops something in you, develops character. And character gives you hope that mm, I've seen, I've been through difficult times before and I've seen how God's come through me, through for me and he's going to do it again. Hallelujah. See, perseverance develops character. Character gives birth to hope because through the perseverance, you've discovered the faithfulness of God. Hallelujah. And he is faithful. I think of David and uh, when he's out there ready to face Goliath. He reminds himself, I've fought the lion and the bear and you're going to be just like them. And instead of, I was attacked by a bear, I was attacked by a lion. When he was attacked, by faith he knew, I know the will of God is to deliver me. So he grabbed that lion by the mane and he, he killed it and rescued the sheep. And then he, he, he grabbed the bear and supernaturally the power of God came upon him to, to destroy the bear so the bear wouldn't hurt the sheep. And, and then it, when he saw the, the giant, he was able to say, I've got, I've got testimony. I've got hope. Because instead of getting disappointed and running away when things got hard, I saw it through and God was with me and he delivered me then and he'll deliver me now. Hallelujah. Perseverance. Perseverance. Perseverance develops character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint. Hallelujah. It's glorious. It can't be taken away. I was thinking about... Um, the martyr Jim Elliot this week and his, his statement that 
He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Hallelujah. He had a hope. I've got eternity. So why would I cling so hard to this life when I can, I can lay it down for the hope of glory, knowing that, that as I just give my life to glorify him, uh, I have an eternal reward. Hallelujah. So in the midst of difficult situations, though, it's very easy to get a bit overwhelmed, particularly when it goes on for a long time. We, we read about this, our friends in Melbourne and, and Sydney have been in lockdown for a long time and emotionally it takes a toll, it gets difficult. And if you've ever been through chronic pain or chronic sickness, it can, it can really wear you down. But I've found that what we focus on is where our emotions will follow. If we give our focus to the difficulties and the problems and we're talking about it all the time, we're thinking about it all the time, we're looking about it all the time, we're complaining about the injustice of it, we're, we're talking about it. The more we do that, the more our anger will rise, the more our um, frustration will rise, the more our sense of injustice will rise, the more our sense of frustration and depression will get there. And before long, out of your mouth, instead of coming hope and that which is pure and lovely, and internal and of a good report, you're starting to come out and sound like the rest of the world. God's called us to be different. Hallelujah. I, I remember when I, I was, I actually, you wouldn't believe it, but I actually did go through a time of depression. I know, I know, you wouldn't imagine. I was like, I do not recommend it. The, the, the devil dresses up pity parties to look like they're going to be good. They never are. Anyway, it was after um, I had my third baby, Joseph. I love you, Joseph. He was beautiful. But I actually had a bit of postnatal depression. I didn't know it at the time. I didn't realize that's what it was. But there were some really bad things that were happening in my world at the same time. And I got really down. It's like... And, and it was like a perfect storm of all sorts of things that happened. And I got I really down to the point that I, I was afraid to be alone with my own thoughts. Like I'd go and have a shower and I'd be like, I don't like being by myself because I'm going to start thinking about all the sad, bad things. And so I had a choice at that point to either pivot to despair or pivot to hope. And the only way to pivot to hope is if you shift your focus. We've been saying, uh, quoting Song of Songs for uh, quite a while now, my beloved, you have dove's eyes. And if you, if you study doves, you know, doves have no peripheral vision. They can only see what they focus on. Well, God says that about us. I've given you dove's eyes. But that means what you focus on is what will start to consume you. You, you, you will see it and you will become obsessed with that which you focus on. And your emotions will follow what you focus on. So if you start focusing on drama and fear and sad things, before long your emotions are going to go there. I, I found that when I was struggling with depression, 
the enemy would offer all sorts of help to help me solidify the position. He'd, he'd remind me of all the bad, sad things that had ever happened in my life. And then I'd be thinking, oh, you know, it's terrible. So many bad things have happened. And, and I'd, I'd start thinking, oh, you know, every decade of my life something terrible's happened. And, oh, and before long you're starting to believe the lie that life's just hard and then you die. He tries to sell this rubbish to us all the time. But the truth is that God wants to be the glory and the lifter of our head. He wants to help you. When you're going through a trial, he wants you to realize there is an opportunity here to pivot to hope. There's an opportunity here to persevere through, to grab a hold of me, to call to me and I will help you. So I began to call for help. You know, the Bible tells us in, there's a beautiful verse in Psalm 50, 15 that says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. So I call, help God. And then I'd get this idea. Well, why don't you just listen to some good preaching or something while you have a shower? And so I would. This is not in the days when you had the iPhones. I'd get the tape recorder and the cassette tapes and I'd put it by the door of the shower and I'd listen to some good Joyce Meyer or something, you know, just whatever I could get my hands on. Good on you, Joyce. It was awesome. <laughs> and and I, I knew, I knew when I would get alone there in the bathroom, I'd be... I'd be going there with all the thoughts of all the things, of all the people and all the sad, bad things. And I, I prepared myself, right, I know how this goes. I put on a tape and I'm going to give my focus to something that's pure and lovely and of a good report. I'm going to feed myself on what is holy and what is true. And I'd just do it. At night time as I'd go to lie down and I couldn't go to sleep and I'd be thinking of all the things that the people have done and the things that have happened and... And I'd start writing the speeches of what I'd like to say. After a while, you get to know how it goes. And we know the pattern. I see how this works. I lie down and you come with the video of all the sad, bad things, of all the things I'm angry at, all the people I'm hurt by. You come and you replay it in Technicolor for me. Like that. You just put it in my head. So I'm on to you. We're not going there tonight, devil. And I remember one night as I lay down and the same old, same old, hey, let's think about this person and what they did. Let's think about that. Isn't that terrible? I go, right, I'm done with this. Not going there, devil. I got up in the middle of the night, got a piece of paper and a pen, and I wrote it all out. I went, I forgive such and such for doing such and such and such and such. And I forgive such and such for doing such and such and such and such. I went through it all, all the stuff that he'd given me, all the information about many nights over and over and over. And the next night when he came with the let's talk about that, let's think about that, isn't it terrible? Oh, it's so terrible what they've done, isn't it? It's so sad, it's so bad. Oh, oh. I went, ha, not going the devil. And I got, went, got up, went to my drawer, pulled it out and I said, I've forgiven them. 
It's here. It's in writing. I've forgiven them. It's under the blood. Just as Christ has forgiven me and doesn't recall my sins anymore, I now have the grace to forgive them. Even if I don't feel it, the Lord says that he's given me power to forgive them like he's forgiven me. So I've forgiven them. It's written down here and it's right there. And I went back to bed and I went back to the, th- the thoughts, okay, what am I called to? Because it's, not, it's more than just taking it captive. You've got to replace it. So I'd go, okay, what's my call? The call of my life is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Okay, I'm going to glorify you tonight, Father. How can I glorify you? Ah, you're kind. Jesus, you loved me so much. You gave your life for me. Father, I thank you. Ah, you saved me because you love me. Oh, God, you're faithful, you're true. And I just began to glorify him. I began to remind myself of the truth, that I know the plans you have for me, that to prosper me, not to harm me, plans to give me hope and a future. When the enemy had come and say, what's the point? You're, you're insignificant. You've got nothing going on. Nothing's going to What's the point of even living? Nobody loves you. I'd say, I'd remind myself. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. My life is given over to glorifying God and enjoying him forever. And I can do this right now in my room, on my bed. I'm going to glorify you and I'm going to enjoy you right now, Father, for this is what your reward is. For the joy set before you, you endured the cross so that I could glorify you and enjoy you forever. So I, I right now I'm going to drink deeply of the river of your pleasure for me. Hallelujah. Yeah.